As a play-by-play -play announcer, <laughs> I really felt like I've seen it all, but I, apparently I haven't. I, uh, from doing soccer, I've had a head coach yell at me on air. Uh, I've had uh, I've had to call a game from a power pole <laughs> in San Jose, California. That was a K State soccer matchup. Which, yeah. by the way, when I was yelled at by a, a a coach, that was a Cloud County soccer game, and it was a district playoff game. So if they won that game, they're going to the uh, the national tournament. Whoa. And what happened there is a ball. I was at midfield. I'm like right next to the field calling the game. And the ball hits my little stand, and it rattles around and gets stuck. So I got the ball out, and I threw it to an opposing player as he's running, trying to get the throw in. And when I toss the ball, the coach looks at me while the game is going and going, what the blank are you doing? This is a playoff game. You don't give the opponent the ball. Oh, whoa. Right in front of everybody. Oh. And I'm, like, speechless. I'm also 19 years old. Right. And I'm FC just trying to break in, you know? Yeah, the FCC. I mean, you're like, I mean, top of the list now. Most what's, wanted. What's funny is Mike Dabini, K-State soccer coach, knows the guy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he can be a fireball sometimes. Um, but at halftime, this was the first half, I went up to him at half. I'm like, hey, man, uncalled for. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I know. You just you can't do this. This is a big game. I was like, I understand that. But I'm also on air, and there are a bunch of people here. You can't be cussing like that. I, like, I, I actually like I talked to him like that. Like you he got was like, after like him? he was a teenager. Whoa! He's like, yeah, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry. I, it won't happen again. And that's where it ended. I ha I've had some coaches that would have punched you in the. <laughs> I played for guys that were just not nice at all. Let's see. I've had to uh, fight off a fan who. Wasn't appreciative of me counting the technicals that the coach got Whoa. because I was doing indication with my hand and he took it that I was cheering. Whoa. I had to, that actually was a Manhattan High game 30 years ago, but had to literally, I'm on air trying to hold the guy off with, <laughs> with one arm <laughs> in post game. Dude. I've had to keep a uh, indoor football coach from getting on the air in the midst of him raging at me Whoa. because he was angry. Uh, you never thought, uh, give him the microphone for a second. Oh, no. <laughs> let, him no. let him talk. Let the little boy talk. No. Well, I can imagine, I can kind of imagine, but I'm sure Wyatt Thompson, when Frank Martin was here, Yikes. and you know the crowd mic that's not too far from where the bench is, picked up a few things once in a while. Yeah, I, so I go I, back to the Bobby Knight restriction on where microphones could be at Texas Tech. Yeah. I have, I was listening to a game, 1350 KM, when Frank was here, and you could hear Frank clear as a bell. What are you doing, you stupid blah, blah, blah. And so Wyatt Thompson, <laughs> perfect, goes, Jacob Pullen. And then you hear, you stupid son of blah, blah, blah. He goes, receiving instruction. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, there's nothing better than that. He played it. Perfect, dude. The receiving instruction is just about the that, perfect That's way. beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> I used to get into the argument with a board op whether or not we needed to put the seven-second delay on when Tad Boyle was coaching at Northern Colorado Ooh. because of our location was literally right next to the bench, and, and Mike's would pick up Tad. I love Tad to death, but he's a very fiery dude. Salty dog. Uh, I, I, I mean, I remember all too well at Eastern Washington one night, literally – 
As soon as the game ends, he's chasing the refs to the opposite corner of the building. Uh-huh. Right across the floor, following them out. Oof. He <laughs> was that angry. Yeah. Well, the reason I bring up this topic is because of what happened to Troy and I last night <laughs> at the Manhattan High basketball game. The Tribe hosting Highland Park. They're ranked fourth in Class 5A, a really good team. They just have two losses on the year, and Highland Park did not have their two best players, and that would have made a pretty big difference if they did. But they didn't, and Manhattan uh, just got an and one. There's like four minutes to go, make it a six-point game, and one by Tate Brown going to the line to shoot free throws. And all of a sudden, here come the Highland Park coaches saying that they are owed two points on the scoreboard. The scoreboard is wrong. There starts a pretty long delay (laughs) in this game. Because I I think the officials were a little bit lost on maybe what to do when a coach is claiming that the score is wrong. And so the first thing they do, they have a long discussion about what's going on. Like As if also they didn't understand what the coach was even trying to tell them in the first place. And... There's at one point the head coach for Highland Park, he brings over an assistant who's arguing with the official. They bring over a tablet to say, look at this tablet. We should have two more points, wow. which I don't know what that would have proved. Yeah. But he, he, was, he was showing the tablet, and the official was taking all evidence into consideration. So then they go to the scorebook, which is what they should do in the first place. Sure. Look at the scorebook. I, I don't know the gentleman's name, but the person that Manhattan High has to – run the scorebook, keep track of substitutions and all that, does a phenomenal job, takes his job extremely seriously. I don't think I've ever had – there's ever been a situation where he's been wrong, Mm -hmm. gotten things usually correct. Mm -hmm. And this is my seventh season of Manhattan High basketball. Anyway, uh, so they go to the scorebook, and everything is right on the scoreboard. But they're arguing. Highland Park is arguing. They are owed two points. So the officials are looking for more information. And then they turn to Troy and I, and they look at my table, and they notice that I'm keeping track of the score. And the official asks me, all right, what do you guys got? I'm like, well, we're on air, so here we go. <laughs> I start counting out wow. the points. And I, I even I pulled the audio. Let's I, I, I have 45-39. All right, so here's my second half, this line right here. 3, 5, 10, 12, 15, 19. They had, ni- they had 20 points at the end of the half, and so they're at 39. That's what I have. And for Manhattan, 2, 4, 8, 12, 16, 20, 24, and they had 21 at the half, and that makes 45. I, that's what I have, yes. So I was, I suppose, the last line of defense. They wow. maybe just went to everybody. What did everybody have? Yeah. Benji George brought in his scorebook, and they're like, well, we have the right score. The scorebook has the right score. I have the right score. Highland Park has a different score. Sure. So basically it was 3-1, to one, yeah. and uh, I'm sure they could have argued, well, that's just home cooking. Uh-huh, but they don't know. Like, you're not – you're from Clay – you know what I mean? Like, you didn't grow up here. <laughs> yeah, so you, you don't, don't know math. And, no, you just – you don't – you're not going to go and do that on the scorebook because – of some game. You don't care about that. I think it's funny. The scoreboard person, the official person, those type of people that like to do that job, they care about oh, yeah. accuracy. Our very own Bill Williams. So I take he, track he of. takes that so 
serious. And he does a great job during football being a spotter and keeping the stats. He's got him right there for us. He is phenomenal at it, but it's because he cares. And it it means a lot to him to be accurate for everybody, not just one team. He cares. You've picked up on my trend. What do I do at halftime and postgame? I don't know. What, what do you do? <laughs> uh, I, I figured you'd picked it up already because given that I go through literally, go line by line, and I'm ch- and I'm adding. Oh, I do that. Yeah, I've been doing that forever. And make sure you got it Always. Mm-hmm. Always make sure that I've got it matched. Mm-hmm. And that's what, like, I know Highland's probably like, that was home cooking. That was home. That was those guys against us. But it's like you. there's too many people that don't have a dog in the race other than being accurate. That's what you want to be is – Accurate. Well, and I've I've ran into two situations this year where I had to like go up to the team. Like for instance, we were at Highland Park in January, and I went up to the girls' basketball bench. I was like, "Hey, they're shorting you guys two points." Ooh. And they went to the scorebook, and for sure, they're being shorted two points. I also uh, we were at uh, well, it was in Emporia, yeah, the other and, night, and yeah. the lady that was keeping track of the scorebook, she put down the wrong point guard starter Ooh. for Manhattan, and I caught that. I was like, "It should be Dre Delort." Not this other kid. So I went over to the Manhattan bench. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is wrong. And so, I mean, the mistakes do happen. It's uh-huh. just so, luckily somebody catches them once in a while. I just happen to be the hero twice. I'm yeah. No apologies on this. Three and I'm times. glad to be a hero once in a while. Oh, my and, God. And helping keep track of the score, that's maybe the closest I'll ever be to officiating a game. <laughs> I saved the day, I guess. Like, that well, was I said awesome. it. I should have been, well, you guys counted a three for Highland Park. That was actually yeah, a two. Yeah. His foot yeah. was on the line, on the line yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. It, so that's the first time ever officials ever said, what do you got, pal? Yeah, it, it, even the, the JV game before that was crazy because the, the JV coach of Island Park got tossed Whoa. from the game, got a couple of technicals and got tossed. And I think he actually he did coach that varsity game, which yeah, we he, were he questioning, should he be allowed to so, coach? So you have that happening. They have two players who were not allowed to play, mm-hmm. one of whom – Don't did, know why. One of whom did come over to the game. But you pointed it out in a timeout. He was texting. He was on his phone. Oh, no. In street I was like, clothes, I can't believe texting. that. Like, man, I, you brought up the coaches that would punch you if you uh-huh. came up and complained about what they were doing. Like, I can remember having coaches that if they would have seen a player who was hurt or hurt or for some reason couldn't play but was on the road trip and was texting no. on the sideline, absolutely would lose it. I'm, yeah. Just, I don't. I wouldn't imagine I'd be on the team nah, anymore. I was. I was on a obviously a generation before everybody had cell phones. If you didn't look at the coach while he was talking, you would get lit up. I can't imagine having a cell phone. Oh my! Wait, God. and the kid that was on the sideline, extremely good player, very talented yes. junior. So coming back next year to having a f- phenomenal year wherever Highland Park is going, whatever conference that was, I, I forget what the league so is. The uh, Kansas City Atchison Thank Conference. You. Yeah, they're yeah. joining up with the other schools that can't win. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, that's actually, that's mostly a day of football. Not right. so much basketball. Right. Because yeah, Topeka West and Highland Park or Garbaggio. <laughs> um, but I was shocked to see that because not only were they in a huddle, like it's a timeout, they're in a huddle. Yeah. I'd imagine the whole team might want to get in there and just you know be in there as a team. Nope, the star players on his phone texting. Oh, I was boy. like, that is big league and your, your own team out there. But <laughs> you got him care. Yeah, that was that's uh that's kind of a being a. Are you, are you sure you're bought in to this process right now? You, no. 
your team is down, but they, they forced overtime to Highland Park. They got scrappy there, but that's definitely one of the wilder high yeah. school moments I think I've ever had in my career. Um, speaking of being bought in, I, I did want to give a shout to the uh, Bosco's boys as uh, Scott Wildcat had an interview with Jacob Pullen, and they and they posted that, and I listened to it earlier today. It was a great interview. Uh, Jacob Pullen, I have been in a media scrum with him before, and he was amazing. He was very honest, uh, shared a few stories. Um, and I will repeat what was talked about in that scrum, but was also mentioned um, in, that, in that interview with Scott Wildcat. Shout out to Scott Dub. Um, he mentioned putting his jersey up in the rafters. Mm. And that's been a big topic, I think, this year. Um, not so much like a little bit social media, but like on the message boards. You know, big topic. Get Jacob Pullen's jersey up in the rafters. Got and to. he repeated what he said a few years ago because the last time where that media scrum was from was when had the madness in Manhattan before the Big 12 championship year with Dean Wade, Barry Brown, Kamal Stokes, and company. He was there as a uh, like a dunk contest judge, mm. so that was a big homecoming for him. And at the end, we asked him, "So when are you getting at the jersey up there? It's going to happen. I can confirm that it is sometime going to happen." But he repeated on this podcast what he said back then: he will not do it. He will not allow K State to put his jersey up in the rafters until the coaches and all the players he played with can be there in person. And he mentioned Frank Martin. Brad Underwood, Delonte Hill, and he mentioned Ooh. all the players. Like he met, he rattled off a whole bunch of names that should be there when his jersey's up there. Because without those guys, that he he couldn't have done it. He's, he was very humble about that, and I, I I admire that. He also mentioned if there's one other guy that should have his jersey up there, no doubt about it, Michael Beasley. Yeah. And I and I do agree with. Come that. on, man. I mean, with the greatest college season in history, you know, I mean, catapulted K State into the Spotlight. Jacob Pullen's just so cool, man. I mean, that's he was really awesome. cool. And he shared a lot of great stories. So if you haven't heard that interview yet, go uh, search for Bosco's Boys wherever you get your podcasts. Nice. And go check that out. Scott Wildcat, you did an amazing job yes. with yes. that. And I think you have a, also he has a great memory for the, especially from that era. And he was yeah. just able to rattle off. And one of the best stories is actually right at the beginning of the podcast it was really good about bb guns <laughs> it, it was oh, no. uh, it was pretty wild I'd, I'd never heard that story before but also you know towards the end you know uh, jacob Pullen did vouch for bruce weber and what he's done here at k-state and how tough it is to win year in and year out and i did admire him talking about that but he also mentioned you know just a couple of things of what it takes to win um at this level and that is you need two things the team to be bought in and then you need the fans to be bought in and I think for the last couple of years, you know, I, I kind of thought about it, but maybe not in that way. You know, the current situation where, yeah, not everybody's bought in when it comes to fans, but I think for the first time since that Big 12 championship year, the whole team mm-hmm. is bought in. And I think that's where I'm really, where I've really, what's really drawn me to this team. I, I, I remember last year, Dejuan Gordon would get so frustrated with everybody else, but not himself. He would get frustrated. When Rudy Williams wouldn't give him the ball and he'd give Rudy this look, like eyeball him a little bit. Uh, he would. I remember he got frustrated quite a bit with um, uh, Casey Ziegu, and he would eyeball him. And it just told me, you know, this team isn't gelling. Yeah, they are struggling, but they're just not together. They're not feeling it. A lot of individuals, not a team. This is the first time since Dean Barry Cam in a Big 12 championship. I felt like this team is extremely bought in. 
Like they are motivated to play for Bruce Weber, win for Bruce Weber. They've mentioned that many times, but they enjoy playing together. And um, I think that's what makes me really drawn to them. Win or lose, I'm drawn to this team. They're fun to watch. They are. That's just the simplest I can put it. Fun to watch. They are. And they they're so confident right now. Like they really have a swagger. And they've said it now multiple times to the press. We're peaking at the right time. Like we're we're really starting to play together and as one. Jump on the bandwagon now. Cause we're we're about to make a run. And you have to think a team that went through something like an 0 and 4 start and a shaky start, even a non con, to hit their stride now and to all believe that at the same time. To really believe, like, hey, guys, wake up. Fans, get here because we're good. We're really good. They've said that multiple times. It's also, it's almost impossible to root against these guys. It's really the funky small ball lineup is just something you can root for. It's just easy. Because they're just jacking up threes and going at people on defense. Going at people. I think if they do go on a run and they make the tournament, I think they're going to make some noise. And I think that they're going to surprise some people because they're going to come out with a small lineup and then just start bombing threes and stealing the ball. It left and right. It's going to be awesome. I'm in on the team too. I'm 100% in on these guys. They're likable. Yet I can't say my optimism is exactly sky high. But I will tell you, I, sh- I suppose they can also argue they have the bulletin board material that they can prove people wrong. Absolutely. And right now they've won four of their last five. I suppose, I suppose being on the bubble is, in a way, proving, proving I can't talk, <laughs> proving people wrong right now. Let's take a timeout. Uh, there's one thing I wanted to bring up that's kind of funny because it has to do with my childhood, but there's a uh, famous movie that's celebrating an anniversary today. You're listening to The Game on KMAN. <laughs> Had this conversation briefly with head coach Pete Hughes at KSA Baseball in the first hour, which if you missed that, podcast page and newsradiokman.com on demand tab. Also, just search for the game KMAN on wherever you get your podcasts and you can listen to us at any time. And of course, those numbers are just absolutely through the roof right now. We're not getting baseball, are we? Oh, no, no. Uh, they are sitting down for another meeting tomorrow. Yeah, but we're going to at least be. Like the season, there's no way like it would start on time, right? There is a way, but the if you start going week by week, that becomes less and less likely, especially when you have to deal with the COVID restrictions currently and the clearances that will be necessary to get everybody into training camp. Everybody wants more money. Owners want to get richer. Players want more of that pie when it comes to playoff revenue. Interesting part about this that I that I am not fully up to 100% speed on in terms of what the offers specifically mean, but apparently the players are, are trying to diminish some of the revenue sharing, which would be completely opposite of what would be best for the guys at the lower end of the spectrum, I believe. 
That again, that's my belief. But I haven't gotten hardcore into what the offers have been. You know, to know the exact that that could just very well be propaganda coming from one side or the other. We know how that goes uh, through the fight. But uh, it, you know, I, I, I this resistance to revenue sharing has always been interesting to me, given that the league that right now has the best name recognition, best branding, most eyeballs on it, dominates sports talk discussions, dominates ESPN during the day, dominates, dominates... It's all based in revenue sharing. It's called the NFL. Yeah, that's how they did it. I mean, that that's how it works is that brought everybody up to the same level. And guess what? It was a New York owner who was big on making sure that Green Bay was still a part of their league. Right. I mean, that that's the recognition. It was the Giants at the time that this discussion came about for the NFL. They recognized that the league is better when you have franchises like the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay rather than in say Las Vegas. Those old school guys, John Mara and all the guys like that, like they, they got it. They used to do stuff like that where they would give money to a fledgling program and say, mm-hmm. "There you go. Here's a loan. Get it together, man, cuz we need a league." And baseball, they're going to do this again where they are going to they are going to strike or lock out themselves into bottom tier as far as fanhood goes, this is ridiculous. And this is on the heels of already some of the issues that they brought on themselves by the changes they made to the minor league baseball structure last year. And now you're talking that there's a possibility of another 1,200 minor league employees that will be out of jobs this season. And it makes you question just what is going to be the structure of the minor leagues at that point. And we get into the discussion then about college baseball. Are they going to try to start angling for college baseball to take over where the minor leagues have been the development for close to 100 years? Right. Thanks to Branch Rickey and his time with the Cardinals. Hmm. Huge question marks. Royals opening day, May 16th, right here on News Radio KMAN. May 16th? It's getting pushed back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, August sixteenth. I, 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 I was like, wait a minute, that date's not right. Oh, no, but yeah. Actually, I don't even know what the scheduled opening opening day is. day is supposed to be March thirty first. Okay. I do love a Thursday. Um, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's every year. It is ago. March thirty first is a Thursday. Yeah. And then they like skip Friday, and they, I've also never really liked that. Why are you skipping a day right after opening day? Just jump right in. Let's go. Don't you put your don't splash your feet in the water ah, and then go dry off. You got 162 to go. Let's. I mean, 61 right? to go. Let's go. I know they're also talking about shortening the season, right? Like that's actually kind of something they both sides kind of agreed on. Is like shorten it to one. Was it 154? Mm-hmm. They're thinking about dropping it to because they extended the playoffs. That was the. Num- numerical point that that uh, that the league was at before the uh, 69 expansion took place. 154 was the standard schedule at that point. Um, so you would be knocking four home, four away games off of the schedule for everybody. Okay, well, depending on where you knock that off and who the opponents are, that could be a big money 
issue for some owners. Again, revenue sharing. (laughs) Anyway, um, so that's where that will be intriguing to see if that actually comes through. And honestly, um, the other the other thing that you know, they're they're Major League Baseball is already pushing it through as being official, but. I'm curious to see what the players' reaction is to it being a one-sided edict that the National League will have the designated hitter starting this year. That's awesome. Come on, man. It's about time. No one wants to see a pitcher hit. Come on. No, and I don't don't disagree with you, but I know that it's still an issue that some in the game are going to be very itchy about. Um, I had a good chuckle last night, and I showed you the graphic someone sent on Twitter. And it was uh, a, a f- meme that someone had taken off of a Fox News poll. And you know how they're great about putting up the faces oh, and the yeah. names and the percentages. Uh, and it was uh, uh, the, the uh, person to bring on the end of the world, essentially. You know, and so you had Putin listed on there. You had Chi listed on there. Rob Manford was listed on there, the <laughs> commissioner of baseball. Yeah. We have a, a movie anniversary that kind of reminded me of my childhood. 26 years ago today, Happy Gilmore Ooh. was released in theaters. And the reason it, it reminds me of my childhood is because everybody had that villain they hated. Mm-hmm. Like from the Wicked Witch of the West to uh, the Hunter and Bambi. That's one of them, I suppose. Which, by the way, was that a legal kill? No. No, but back then. Poaching? Yeah, back then, you know. Well, back then you needed a hunting license. Yeah, but they didn't care back then. You know, it's all whatever. When I was a kid, (laughs) so there were four movies I watched all the time, and I was a huge Adam Sandler fan. Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, The Waterboy, and Big Daddy. Yeah, Had the VHS all four, and I just ran through them. Back and forth for years. Yes. That's all I needed. Man, there wasn't a villain I hated more than Shooter McGavin. <laughs> That's funny. An absolute D-bag. Oh, I loved him. The, Shooter! <laughs> the, wor- the guy was the worst. All right? Here comes this guy named Happy Gilmore. He's entering the PGA because he has this hidden talent. He can tee off like nobody else. And he's trying to save his grandma's house. But around every corner... This jealous guy named Shooter McGavin doesn't want this newbie to come in and steal his spotlight, so he tries to bring in this <laughs> this ringer to distract Happy, yeah. and then he shows up at the auction and buys the house. <laughs> like, do you get worse than that without actually uh, shooting somebody? No. Like, without actually ending somebody's hey, life. Gilmore, uh, no talking to the help. Hi, Grandma. Oh, my God. By the way, Ben Stiller, I mean, oh. what a cameo. What a, what a small role perfection. I'm talking high quality stuff here. <laughs> oh, no, it's you can trouble me for a warm glass of shut, shut the, the hell, hell up. up. I know That's the line. When he's on the phone, though, with that guy, and he's like, okay, arts and crafts has <laughs> been extended by five hours. <laughs> That's so good. But, dude, Shooter McGavin was funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's great. The Happy Gilmore is great. You know what I saw? I too, uh, I saw two big fat uh, bikers having sex in the woods. <laughs> That's really funny. But you know what? Oh. Happy Gilmore is also that movie where I look at it completely different now as an adult. Oh, yeah. As an adult, I'm actually kind of on Shooter McGavin's side <laughs> because you have this guy who has been an absolute, absolute failure in life, a hockey player who doesn't have the chops to make it, terrible skater. 
breaks into your game, takes your girl, uh-huh. takes your mm, spotlight. You're, you're up next. You're the next guy. Which, by the way, is it his fault that the grandma was so dumb that she didn't pay her taxes? No. Well, no. Is that his fault? No. Is it, that it, it, he's wanting to invest in uh, real estate? Smart. Smart. Here's how. I take Mitch's view on Happy Gilmore. It's what many of the of us who were of a certain age had on the. Oh, don't view play the millennial of, card here. Oh no 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 no. Um, it's what many of us had a view of when Animal House. Yeah. Became what it became. Explain. Uh, well, you either loved or hated the Deltas, or you loved or hated. The establishment. The dean. Well, everybody hated the establishment, didn't they? Like, it's got to be a pretty small audience that would. And yet, as you get older, you can understand why there were many things at Delta House that maybe should have been dealt with sooner. The only guy I liked out of uh, that was a heel in Animal House was a 0.0 guy. Blutarski. Yeah. Bluto. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 not, not, I'm talking about, like, was it the Dean? Oh, yeah, Dean Wormer. Yeah. Dean um, zero and, and of course, point. Of course, it's also, zero. it's also a, a very pertinent to note, Ivan Reitman produced that movie, passed away this week. Oh, did he really? On Monday. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. National Lampoon. Yeah. So. So both of the creators are now, unfortunately, passed away. Yeah. Yep. It's like another golf movie, though, for me. The Judge Guy in Caddyshack. Oh, Judge Smiles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well. Okay. Oh, talk about another guy that's that's just obnoxious. I hate him. Oh, Uh, but Shooter was not not that that, not that you're exactly huge fans of Rodney Dangerfield. (laughs) Yeah, no, really. I mean, honestly, you get that guy on the golf course, and it gets a little irritating. Uh, Honestly, Rodney Dangerfield never had a bad role, in my opinion. (laughs) No, he had knocked everything out of the park. Ladybugs, uh, cat from Caddyshack. uh, Back is it? Back in school. Back to school. Back to school. Mm -hmm. Ladybugs. Uh, Oh, by the way, Triple Lindy. Loved it. Saw that in the theater. I can. I could just branch off of every movie and bring something else up all the time. But Sam Kinison. Oh, and Back to School. Loved it. Loved it. Man, and and those of a of a uh, certain vintage around here will remember when Sam visited. Manhattan. What? Oh. Went, saw it. Sam, can, where, did, where did he uh, play? It, it was the uh, upper floor of what was Brothers at one point. Um, why I can't think of the name of what it was at that point. Um, but it was the upper floor. That building has since, well, it was I don't know the ground. I don't know what Brothers destroyed. is. Bar. What, what, it was, was a bar. In Aggieville? Uh-huh. Yes. Um, but that building, let's see, it's where Hunan is right now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so oh, there that used to, building. Used to be just oh, you're talking about Gordo's well, like that, it was, in that area? It was that. Um, you know, I mean, it went through multiple names, and the upper floor was a was a completely different place. And, you know, it had springs underneath the floor for dancing. It was installed that way back <laughs> years, years ago. So Sam anyway, Kinison. Sam Kinison performed there, and within six weeks, the accident that took his life. I'll be darned. I never uh, knew that. Add Sam Kennison to the list of famous people that have been to Aggieville. Yeah, absolutely. You that, know he oh, tore Aggieville up. Oh, that was, oh absolutely. That was, and in fact, I, ironically that we begin the show talking K-State baseball, because I was at a K-State baseball game that night. The show didn't start until after 9.30, and oh, so I was able to hit perfect. both. It was, nice. it was beautiful. Line wrapped all the way around beyond, uh, beyond where So Long Saloon sits now and down 
the street for a ways. Wow. It was just he, to get in. It was tremendous. He was at that like I mean the height of his popularity. Yes, I mean he was so red hot. Oh yes. man! Wow! Wow! I like that. It's you know twenty minutes later and. <laughs> We still need to get to number one song of the day. That's next. Oh, the shark baby has such teeth, dear. I was and able to find a song from a time that Troy wasn't even alive for yet. Just a jacket knife has old Maggie. Nice. And it keeps uh, yeah. From you know the thing about not having hair, at least you know nobody sees gray. <laughs> True. This way for me. From 1959, the second year of the Hot 100, Mac the Knife by Bobby Darren. Nine mm-hmm. weeks at number one. Nine weeks. Nine weeks. Oh my God! Now I'm a sucker for a gangster movie. You know, I like a gangster movie too, and they got some '50s stuff in there that I can dig. But this one, God dang it! I can't imagine. Like, I gotta get that Mac the Knife record, or or I'm gonna burst into two. I can't believe it. Sinatra's covered this a number of times. I'm going to go down to Duck Walls right now and get me a 45 of Mac the Knife. And then I'm going to get me a five cent uh, Bratwurst. God, man, the 50s, man. Not the old roller girl, yeah, sure. <laughs> the 50s are tripping, man. Come yeah, well, on. Well, Woolworth had better food than the uh, Bratwurst on the roller. Thank God. Uh, Bobby Darren was an American singer, musician, actor from New York City. Which, by the way, if you can listen to this song, somebody's just killing it on the old stand-up bass. Uh, Let it walk. In 1962, Bobby Darren was a Golden Globe Award winner for the movie Come September. And the co-star was his wife. You've probably heard of her, Sandra D. Yikes. Now, during the 60s, he was also big into politics because he worked on the Robert F. Kennedy Democratic presidential campaign, and he was there the night at the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles when Robert Kennedy was assassinated. Wow. Didn't Bobby... Okay, keep going. I thought... Yeah. 27 studio albums, 22 top 40 hits. This is his only number one, and he did it all in a short amount of time because he passed away at the age of 37. After a heart operation in L.A. Oh, I thought he was the guy that got mixed up with the mob and got killed, like, in some mysterious way. I'll have to look that up. It's Bobby something. But he got, it was like he died mysteriously, and he was all mixed up in the wrong crowd. Maybe Mac the Knife. Talking about, oh, oh, Bobby Bats. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Bobby Bobby Bats ran into uh, Bobby Knuckles. And uh, Johnny two times, who said everything twice. Like, I'm going to go get the papers. Get the papers. <laughs> My favorite movie. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to think of, for some reason, the name is escaping me, but there was a professional wrestler from Canada after he wrapped up his wrestling career because it just didn't work out with Vince, that he, he got wrapped up in the mob, and they offed him in his home. Dino Bravo. Yeah, thank you. Very Dino good. Bravo. Thank you. Well done. He was a guy that looked like 
a mob guy even when he was a wrestler. He looked like a mob dude. A guy um, that couldn't handle not being on top. That, that's one that really came crashing down. Oh, gosh. But anyway, uh, so this song was actually written in 1928 for the German play The Three Penny Opera. And old uh, Bobby Darren, he heard this song at a play, and he's like, I'm going to turn this into a hit. So he started performing at nightclubs, and that's where it really became a hit. Now, the original lyrics uh, are pretty graphic because this song is actually about a murder. <laughs> oh, my Lord. And the, the German lyrics are very graphic. They cleaned it up for those con- American conservatives uh, in the 1950s that couldn't handle anything too graphic, especially in the music form. I'm not letting my teenager listen to this. And so Mac stabbed the guy in the gut, and then he ripped up, and then all of his guts came out, and then he died in the street uh, very painfully, I might add. <laughs> what? This is crazy uh, stuff. This one record of the year at the second Grammy Awards in 59. Oh. The first ever Grammys to be televised, and he did perform. Are you this serious? Song. Yes. Oh, my God. That's and it was awesome. number one at the time. Wow. Uh, McDonald's. Used Mac the Knife. Troy, you might remember this. Mac at night. Yep. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> to promote yep. the promote the Big Mac. Yeah, yep. at okay. night. You yes. know, they were like, hey, we're open late, guys. That was it. Big and deal. It, yep, you had the moon, uh, crescent moon with sunglasses. Stabbing people. No, not Come quite. Come on out and I'll stab you. Troy, can you sing? Come on. A little. Like, this would, if you were a singer, this would be your genre. I could probably this one, yeah. yeah. Already, in terms of I my know voice, we're trying to plan this the game concert. <laughs> we're gonna have Sage sing. Yeah. We're gonna have um, Big Steve. Big Steve do his uh, metal growling. I, I, I ah. may, I may just do you know the William Shatner sing talk. That's cool. Well, we that's want you to cool. play the clarinet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, that's all right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see where else. A uh, couple more things. In, uh, in 2003, so it wasn't on their last, uh, their latest list, but Rolling Stone just did put this on their top 500 songs in 2003 at number 251. This was also on Billboard's uh, top 100 list of their top hot 100 songs of all time. Ooh. And it came in at number three. Go, go, Three. Number three, Mac the Knife. Give me a break and a half. Are you serious? Who is who is doing the who's doing the voting? Troy's grandpa? Come on, man. Back the knife. That's the third best song I've ever heard. <laughs> I love that song. It's one of those that falls into what's called the American Songbook. Sure. Which is why you've got Sinatra's done versions of it. Um, you've got speaking of the mob, Dean Martin has done versions of it. You know, yeah. it has been covered a lot by what you would term the the Rat Pack style yeah. of singers, and so it falls into basically what they would what is seen as a as a adult classic. And people people dig on. I mean, come on, you know how much people dig on Sinatra still. By the way, if you like mob stuff, look up Don Rickles on The Tonight Show oh. when Frank Sinatra is also on the show and 
Rickles kept making uh, mentions of his mob ties. And he was like, ah, And it got weird. Uh, stop. <laughs> it got really weird, and I don't know that that got repaired for a while. Uh, yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm sure that was not good. Uh, I think we maybe just have a few more minutes, so let's just jump right in to ask us anything, DG. Um, what was a toy that you desperately wanted as a kid, but maybe it was too expensive or maybe it was too dangerous? For me... I always wanted the G.I. Joe uh, aircraft carrier. There was one, it was an air, and it had a bunch of guys and a bunch of guns and planes. And my mom was like, dude, that's 60 bucks. No, no. So I had to pretend. The original Nintendo system. Oh, man. But we went ahead and bought it because my brother and I pooled our money and oh, uh, pooled good. our mo money. Ooh, and you're like, and, you got no choice and, now. Yeah, exactly. We split between the two of us. What game way. did you buy? Uh, actually, uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out was Ooh. one of the first. Uh, we also had baseball. Oh, man. Um, it, of course, came with Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Well, was it the Super Mario slash Duck Hunt? Yes. And it came with the gun? Yes. Oh, my God. Just put that gun right up to the screen. That's how I Ooh. hacked them. Pop, 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 pop. See if that... Puppy laughs at me. Mine was always like wrestling action figures. I always asked for them all the time, and I never got them, unless it was a special occasion, Christmas, birthday. And you're like, come on, mom. Oh, I, we would go to Walmart. And I always beg for. <laughs> I don't have Stone Cold yet. Mom, I don't have a Stone. Cold. I don't have him in the black trunks. I just have jean shorts. Stone Cold. It's HBK, mom. HBK. Oh, I remember. Oh, Mark Marrow. <laughs> you remember? That's most people probably won't know who I'm talking about. But Mark Marrow, I remember begging for a Mark Marrow action figure oh, because no. it came in a pack with Sable. Oh, it was a... And that... Never got it. That's one of them you can slide by mom because she doesn't know nothing. So you can go, yeah, mom, it's a guy. And you cover up the sable, you know, and you go, mom, it's Mark Merrow. It was a little risque for sure. (laughs) That's passing muster about as easily as my subscription to Sports Illustrated. Yeah, they're like, oh, I've heard of the swimsuit. My grandma used to throw it away. Oh, my, my mom my mom attempted really? to. Yeah. Back in the day, yeah. man. Yeah. My grandma Mine was always away. waiting for me on a table and oh, I wish. The first time that turned up at the at the house as part of my Sports Illustrated subscription. Oh my God. Yeah, they're I like, got so much help. Like, You're going SI for kids now. That's it. And then all of a sudden showers were turning into forty five minutes. <laughs> Oh, on going that. on up. <laughs> two, two years worth of subscription and I didn't get the issue once. I got National Geographic, though, which was... <laughs> <laughs> on that, that's going to do it for the game. If you want to hear the uh, show on the podcast, newsradiocamein.com, on-demand tab for Sage, DG Troy. I'm Mitch. We're out. Mm.